Welcome to the Stronger Than Your Boyfriend podcast. We are Heather and Katie, owners of Bar Path Fitness, here to help you sift through the bullshit and toxic misinformation that permeates the fitness industry. Today, we have a Q&A podcast. All right, another Q&A. The outline right now is three questions. So if you have questions, um, join our Facebook group, Stronger Than Your Boyfriend. Um, ask us there or slide into the DMs at Bar Path Fitness on Instagram. <laughs> on social media. Um, cool. Let's get okay. into it. Cool. Uh, question one. Uh, I have diastasis recti. Do you have any advice on do's and don'ts when it comes to weight training? Yeah, so this is actually quite common. I see it with a lot of my in-person clients, um, and I have a lot of online clients as well who um, are dealing with this. Uh, it's a common question. It's a very common thing. Uh, as far as what to do and what not to do, it really depends on where you are with it. So there's still a lot of research being done in this area to make definitive answers here. But the answer, as always in fitness, is it depends. So let's explain what it is. Yes. First. Yeah. Yes. So diastasis recti is when the connective tissue that runs along the middle of your abdomen uh, softens and becomes more lax so it can stretch for a baby typically. Um, so the rectus abdominis muscle bellies, uh, the right and left side of your basically that ab muscle in the front, it starts to move apart to allow your abdominal wall to expand for pregnancy. Separation of the muscle commonly occurs during pregnancy and then um, it'll last some time after in a lot of instances as well. And a lot of women are concerned with this gap in the abdominals. Uh, but recent research actually is finding that closing that gap is not as important as regaining tension in the muscle tissue here, which really has trainers and PTs rethinking what healing really means when it comes to diastasis recti. Um, so some women, they can have this heal without any intervention. Sometimes those, you know, it just kind of the gap closes a little, the, the abs get stronger, um, everything gets better without any sort of program. However, um, some women will still with diastasis recti will struggle to feel connected to the abs. Um, it may feel like it's just like not firing right. It may not feel like your core is very strong. Others don't look how this looks or like how this looks. And some just like don't feel you know, like normal. <laughs> so it does, it does kind of bother someone, but it is very, very bother some people, but it is very, very common. Yeah. I feel like, um, the people that I've trained with it, they, they literally just like cannot connect to that muscle. Mm. Like it's really hard to do more, mm. especially like when I first start, which I, we're going to get into like the exercises you could do, but like from doing like a core stability movement, it's just, it seems for them at first, it seems very hard to just like connect and stabilize. Um, but I feel like that's one of the better things that you can do um, when mm -hmm. you're kind of trying to heal it, which we'll get into um, in a minute. So yeah, yeah. So the research out there is still like actually really limited compared to other issues like low back pain, right? Which has like, of a course, ton of because it has it. to deal with a woman. Exactly. And of course, there's not <laughs> enough research on it. So. Yes, yes. <laughs> but as the evidence continues to progress, there are actually fewer limitations now on the types of exercises that you can do versus like what kind of used to be said. Um, so that said, early postpartum, there are definitely some things you're probably going to want to avoid if you're not strong enough yet, right? You're going to progress towards these things. Um, think exercises like uh, abdominal flexion, right? Like crunches, things like that, or intense planks or plyometrics. These may feel uncomfortable and you may not be ready for these yet. Not to say they can't be done at all, but proceed with caution and your doctor may tell you to actually just outright avoid these at first. It's going to be totally individual, um, but th these are the exercises I would be careful with and, and to talk to your doctor about. Um, and they honestly aren't the most effective exercises anyway. So these are things we as trainers would probably not have you focus on. Yeah, I 
I actually just had a client today, <laughs> earlier today, uh, the day that we're recording this. Um, we She just recently found out, she's in her 70s, and she just recently found out that she had diastasis recti. And because she's been going to um, a pelvic floor physical therapist, and they, they figured this out. And now, like, this this physical therapist, which she has great information, basically told her to not do a ton of movements. And with us together, we've been doing a lot of these movements. She's been getting a lot stronger in her core, but we started to do, um, it was more like a hollow hold, like kind of bracing position because we're working on her diaphragmatic breathing, which we're going to get into in a second um, and, and how imperative it is. But we were getting into that position and I really like it because it really helps her um, learn how to breathe and brace and kind of like be in that position and learn how to control her pelvis as well. And I was going to make her do these today and she got nervous. She's like, my PT said I shouldn't do it. And I just feel like there's a lot of miss or a lot of conflicting information out there, mm. but I'm always going to, I'm never going to push someone to do something they're not comfortable with, but it, I or think if a doctor says they can't, right. If a doctor <laughs> says they can't, obviously, right. because she was like, no, 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 like my PT said we couldn't. And I was like, okay, well next time you go to her, just tell her what we've been doing. And it's been 40 years since you had a baby and mm. let's t- maybe let's talk that through. Um, but yeah, like we don't ever do crunches anyway. So right. it's like, right. I don't, we're not going to yeah. do that stuff and we're not doing like any in, like weighted planks and like, I don't know, super heavy, like farmers carries and shit mm. like that, that she would be really uncomfortable with, but it's more of like teaching her how to properly breathe, which Let's get into that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So diaphragmatic breathing is the first thing. And we've talked about this on other podcasts, but it's it's pretty imperative to learn how to um, breathe and to use your diaphragm and to build that muscle up as well as your pelvic floor muscles. But for diaphragmatic breathing, um, you want to think about breathing through your diaphragm. So if you we've talked about this before, but if you put a hand on your chest, put a hand on your stomach, your belly, your the hand on your stomach should be the one that kind of rises or expands and your rib cage will also kind of expand out as well. Um, as you're inhaling as you're inhaling yes thank you and the reason for this is because the diaphragm is a muscle and as it compresses or as it contracts um and and gets you know smaller it moves down and then the lungs are able to feel fill with more air whereas if you're chest breathing you're not contracting that diaphragm that diaphragm and so you're not able to get as big of a breath because your lungs don't have that room to expand so that's something that you want to work on for sure is diaphragmatic breathing just think of it as a like a a muscle like heather said like you want to work that muscle you have to practice you have to train it and diaphragmatic breathing is imperative for everything and everyone um but yeah especially for this so some other things you want to focus on are being able to control the pelvis, the, the pelvis. Um, so anterior and posterior pelvic tilts. Um, it can be as simple as starting as lying on the ground um, and doing these. You could also stand up and do these. Just making sure that you have that awareness and control in yeah. your pelvis. Can you explain the the water cup analogy? I really yeah. like that one. Yeah. So if to... you're if you're standing up um, and you place your hands like on your hips just like you normally would um and then you move your pelvis like forward and backward um kind of in space there if if you tilt your pelvis forward you can think of your your pelvis like a bucket of water and if it's spilling forward then that is your anterior pelvic tilt the the water spilling forward and then if you tilt your pelvis backward i'm doing this as i yeah <laughs> as you i kind of have to if you, you tilt your pelvis backward that's a posterior pelvic tilt that means the water spilling backwards so that's kind of how i explain it to people and there are certain movements where this is extremely important to have one or the other so yeah. that is something that you'll want to teach and focus on before you really start adding in some of those heavier movements with a yeah. lot of load and a lot of a lot of times for me i people a lot of people struggle with um 
tilting their pelvis interiorly. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's a really rough one that I have to work on with people. And like, if you're doing this and you're noticing not a ton of movement that will improve over time, you just have to Mm -hmm. continue to do it and continue like cueing the, you know, whatever cue you're telling yourself to go into anterior pelvic tilt or posterior pelvic tilt, Mm -hmm. and then just try to gain more range of motion each time. I think also with this particular issue, um, and I'm, I mean, I'm not sure this is just people I've worked with. I've heard that they, they say sometimes if, if there's like a a bigger gap, sometimes they Mm -hmm. feel like when they're in a plank position, like things are like spilling out, like it's very uncomfortable. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's where I think the posterior pelvic tilt comes into play quite a bit and learning how to maintain that when you're doing plank like movements. And it's probably not going to be a full plank right away, but um, that's where that comes. Yeah. And that's why I would generally start someone who has, um, who, who definitely has more of that intense separation, but who has like diastasis recti, just kind of like in general, maybe they're like uh fairly like postpartum or whatever bird dogs it's a really good way mm-hmm. to train that kind of plank position without putting your f- entire body weight yeah. like loading with your entire body weight so Can you bird- explain oh yeah yeah i was gonna explain it so <laughs> essentially you're just kind of on your hands and not kind of you're on your hands and knees and you're going to extend the opposite arm and leg so let's say i'm extending my right arm i'm extending my left leg at the same time and you're basically gonna go into an anterior pelvic tilt as you're reaching forward but then when you come back you want to try to touch your elbow to your knee so your right elbow to your left knee you're going to go into more of a posterior pelvic tuck right because you're going to be flexing the spine a little bit but it's really important to focus on your breathing as you do this and try to really one feel the pelvis move kind of into that the anterior pelvic tilt as you're extending isn't going to be super exaggerated but you're going to do that kind of inevitably. And then I want you to really think about going into posterior pelvic tilt. So mm-hmm. kind of flexing forward with your torso as you're driving the knee to the elbow. And that will really help you work on that core stability. So that is one of my favorite ones to do. It's really slow and controlled, really IQ. Like try to just think about creating as much tension in your core throughout. And maybe that feels like nothing to them at first, but over time it's like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, I really feel this. And usually it's not super uncomfortable with the clients that I've had with this. It's like, okay, I can do this. I'm kind of moving through space. I'm not just holding a plank. And like, I feel like, right. you know, my insides are spilling out. Right. Um, another so yeah. another one that if if bird dogs are too intense, yeah. um, these have weird names, but dead bug yeah. type <laughs> exercises are really good, right? So if you're really not even ready to be on your hands and knees yet, and this is a good one, even if you are, yeah. Um, is the dead bug, which is where it's basically the same thing, but you're on your back. Yeah. So you're lying on the floor on your back and you try to get that either neutral spine or posterior pelvic tilt. It kind of depends on what you're working on there. Yeah. But, um, and then you're dropping one leg and the opposite arm at the same time, or maybe you're just starting with the legs um, and trying to maintain that spinal and pelvic position mm-hmm. instead of, you know, arching the low back. Yeah. Um, and that will train your core stability as well. Yeah. I always, when I have people do this, like try to think about um, touching the floor with your low back that will tell me, okay, you're maintaining that posterior pelvic yeah. tuck that we're looking for with this one. Um, yeah. These, we, these names are weird. Like what is a bird dog? I know. Like, why is it it's, bird yeah, dog? It's that's super, really weird. I mean, dead bug, weird. I can kind of see cause you're yeah. like kind of flailing around on, I, the, on your back. I don't know. Is the bird dog because of like those hunting dogs where they like point? I, I don't oh, know. I, I don't have know. I'm no totally idea. making this up. I don't know. Anywho. Um, um, anyway, yeah. <laughs> the rule of thumb here, um, if you want the most bang for your buck here and you really want to do this well, um, work with a pelvic floor 
physical therapists to help strengthen your pelvic floor in conjunction with trying yeah. to strengthen your strengthen your abdominals. It is all connected. Talk to your doctor or your PT and have them, like Katie said, communicate with your trainer, right? To ensure you're following all the instructor instructions the medical provider recommends, but also make sure that you, the client, are telling or letting the trainer yeah. tell the PT what you've been doing so they can understand the whole picture of where you are <laughs> within your strength. Yeah. With my example, like I was fairly frustrated with the physical therapist that my client's working with because she gave she sent me it took well it took her a while to send me the exercises that they're doing for her pelvic floor which is why she initially went and then they found this out and she didn't give me any guidance on what she told her not to do what exercises she recommended so i'm doing this and then you know my client's just like no 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 no, no. and i'm like okay well can you tell your physical therapist to, to reach out to me so we can have a conversation so I know how to kind of progress your your core movements um, so we can get stronger. So yeah, it's really important for that communication when you're dealing with these issues, like really, really important because you don't want anything to backfire on you. You don't want to do movements that you shouldn't do. Like your doctor is the most important person you should listen to. So like make sure that you're able to progress with your trainer too. So, um, but also if you want a good pelvic floor physical therapist, first of all, listen to our episode with Dr. Christina Holland that we did. She's amazing. She's awesome. And if you're in Colorado, you can work with her. Um, she's awesome. So yeah, cool. Okay. On to the next one. Okay. Question number two, when you're in the process of bulking, fucking hate this (laughs) bulking, building muscle. Can we, (laughs) sorry. When you're in the process of bulking, how much do you increase calories and how often? Okay. I don't know why I hate that term so much because I feel like women are so afraid of like bulky, getting bulky. Uh, So like saying bulking is just like, no, I'm never going to do that. So when you're in the process of building muscle, (laughs) the general recommendation, um, start with adding two to 300 calories per day to your maintenance level and stick for that. Stick with that for a few weeks and see how you're progressing, right? The best way to tell if you're progressing here is if you're getting stronger, because even pictures can be subjective as far as progress because you're going to look at them and be like, all you're going to, this is just based off of experience here. Most of my clients are like, I just see body fat. And I'm like, no, you're wrong. Like (laughs) I'm telling you, you're, we're looking at the same picture and you're wrong. And weight is also deceiving. I wouldn't go by your weight so much either. Like, you know, that will fluctuate as well. So you can take measurements and then just, if you're generally getting stronger week to week in the gym, that's telling me that you're probably building muscle. Um, so yeah, I, that's, a good measure of progress there. If you're a leaner person and in general, you have a harder time packing on muscle and I would bump maybe a little bit more. So maybe four to 500 calories per day above maintenance um, and see how you respond. And just kind of like disclaimer, you have to figure out where your maintenance calories are at before you decide to go and embark on one of these aesthetic aesthetics based goals. So building muscle or burning body fat, you Mm -hmm. have to know where your maintenance level is. You have to track your food. Um, So yeah, and then based off of like how often you want to like continue to bump is kind of based off of your progress. Like I said, Um, when building muscle, you're trying to minimize fat gain, right? Um, And you don't want to just add in a thousand calories above baseline. So, you know, figure out your body type. And, you know, if you gain body fat pretty quickly and muscle pretty quickly, well, you might not want to go super high in calories. But again, if you're one of those like you know, you're harder to respond. Your body it takes a while to respond to building muscle. You might need to add in a little more calories. It just depends on you and the person. Um, but you have to, you have to be patient. And I, this is what I see a lot with on either end of these aesthetic goals. It's like, 
they're like after a week like i didn't see the scale go down or i don't feel leaner i didn't build any muscle like you have to give your body time to build the tissue or lose the tissue usually like after about three to four weeks then i see it's time for the next calorie bump because Again, your our bodies are adaptation machines. They're going to adapt whatever you give it. So, again, like it depends on the person, but that that's like generally the range that I see. So yeah, I feel like if you the main thing to keep in mind is if you want to build muscle, you have to stop being afraid of gaining weight. Yeah, like exactly, <laughs> you're going to gain some weight most likely. I mean, there there is a chance that you're also going to be you know burning body fat depending on where you are, how like fit you are, etc. We've kind of talked about this before, but there are people specifically like undertrained people, et cetera, who can do both at the same time quite a bit. Um, but you know, for the most part it's body recomposition. Yes. But the, the building phase and the cutting phase, they, they don't go together, yeah, right? They're you can't opposite do that. goals. So <laughs> yeah. you have to build and you have to commit and just be okay with gaining a little bit of weight here because yeah. we're building muscle. Um, and then, you know, you can go into maintenance and then if you want to cut, you can cut the body fat, etc. But I think so many people just like, and we talked about this on our reverse dieting podcast, right? It is not a magic pill. So no. many people think that it's like this holy grail way to like... That they're going to bur- build muscle and burn body burn fat a bunch at the same of body time. Fat. Like, yeah, while they're, fucking while works, they're muscle. But no, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 building muscle and yeah. it's improving it's, your metabolism very slowly over time. Yeah, I just I feel like I see this question so much, like whether in other Facebook groups or just like people ask it to me all the time. It's like, OK, I'm ready to build muscle, but how do I lose body fat at the same time? I'm like, you don't, because those are two competing goals. You one is literally trying to add tissue and one is trying to subtract tissue from your body. You cannot do both like you can maybe do a little bit of I really I honestly, though, when it comes to building, I have never seen anyone add in calories and lose body fat like it. It kind of defies the laws of physics here. Again, there are some like extenuating circumstances where this can happen. But for yeah. the general average, you know, person who, you know, is fairly fit or they're, you know, they're not new to working out. It's not going to fucking happen. <laughs> I've seen it on the other end because if your programming is really on point and you're not at a huge deficit when you're cutting, you can maybe build a little bit of muscle, especially if you're giving yourself a new stimulus and you're not super deep in the weeds in the cut. Like you're not at like 1200 calories. Maybe if you cut down from 2500 to like 2000 calories and yeah, you could potentially build a, a build a little bit of muscle because for a woman that's not super low right 2000 calories but like i have honestly never seen it the other way like it just just think of physics here you guys like Mm. we're either adding Mm. tissue or subtracting tissue or maintaining tissue like there's no fucking magic pill so like heather said get over it like you're gonna gain weight it's gonna be a lot of awesome weights and you're not gonna look any bigger because muscle weight it's dense as fuck and it weighs a lot but you don't look bigger like you just look more like muscular what what i I have seen what i have seen though on occasion is if someone is not eating like enough of the right thing and so then they they reverse diet or they you know they increase their calories but they also change like the amount of protein they're eating macronutrient composition yeah and like quality the timing of their food and some other habits and it affects the inflammation levels. And so then like they don't hold on to water as much. And so they actually do see the scale go down a little bit when they increase their calories, but it's because of all these other factors. Right. It's not because that they're right. It's not because of them adding calories because yeah, like calories in versus calories out that totally matters. But also like, 
yes, the composition of your food matters as well. You need if you're getting enough protein and you start to eat more like these whole natural nutrient dense foods, Mm -hmm. you might look you might end up looking leaner or like dropping a little bit of water weight or whatever because of that inflammation. But it's not because you're adding in calories like adding in calories tells your body to build tissue, whether that's body fat or muscle that comes down to your training. Okay, word. Mic drop. <laughs> so again, okay. to kind of like round this all out <laughs> as far as the question, um, like how many calories to add, it's like any fitness question, it depends. So like start with like two to 400 calories to be safe, you know, check in about three to four weeks, see how your strength is progressing. If you're still, you know, progressing in the gym or you're taking measurements to get a little bit more, you know, objective, like, okay, then don't increase. And once you plateau, then increase by another two to 300 calories. It's fairly simple, but we just like to talk about the mindset around it. So yeah, cool. Okay. All right. Question number three, personal question. Ooh, what, <laughs> what does your workout playlist look like? Ooh, this is fun. Um, a lot of hip hop and rap. I don't understand the heavy metal shit that people like i just it makes me feel weird um i'm talking like the screamy metal music i feel like a lot of people like that shit and i just don't fucking get it yeah i'm a definite i'm a hip-hop girl like i listen to hip-hop my whole life um yeah i don't know yeah i like i'm into i like screamy stuff i do like some (laughs) classic rock but i'm not gonna like I don't usually don't work out to that. Yeah. 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 Like, I don't know. Hip hop, like the beat just kind of gets me in the, in the zone. And if it's a really like, I don't know, I don't want to say intense song. That Mm. sounds weird, but yeah, I guess intense song. I'm like in the zone for like heavy squats or deadlifts. Uh, But yeah, I just, anything with a good beat and hip hop and like good rap lyrics. I don't know. Just, just get me. I don't know. I have three. You have three playlists or three types of playlists. Okay. Depending on my training. Okay. Go. Okay. If I am, for instance, when I was powerlifting, if I am training with a lot of intensity, mm-hmm. deadlifts, squats, things like that, a lot of times, especially if it's like triples or even fives, I like my heavy metal, metal barf, <laughs> screamo, whatever, you barf. know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But it's not like there, I feel like there's like a, there's like a scale here and I'm sure there's, there's totally. like death metal. Right. And I, that's like oh, too God. much for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's a little too much. You're like there needs to be a to little help. bit of singing in there. But then a lot of screaming is fine as long as there's some singing. God, but I don't anyway, know why people like that. Shit. <laughs> there's like a scale. And like then, okay, dying. but if I'm like going to the gym and I'm getting a pump and or I'm like doing a lot yeah. of reps or whatever, I'm in the like hip hop yeah, and, yeah. and like rap phase. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I love that. I don't know why. I just love it. And then I guess the third one for me would be if I'm, and this isn't really training, but this is if I'm cycling, like if I'm out on my bike. Oh, yeah. Um, Then I, a lot of times I listen to like EDM stuff. Yeah, style yeah. Stuff because of the beat. Go to the beat. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I, um. Yeah, I guess it, it does depend on the mood, right? Yeah, but totally. usually it kind of ranges from like, for me, hardcore hip hop to like less hardcore hip hop. <laughs> like, yeah, that's I'll throw her, in some like, if I'm like, her. if it's like a lighter workout, I can see some like jamming to Beyonce or something like a little more upbeat um, or eat some of that EDM shit thrown in there. Like some of it's okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm such a hip hop rap fan. I don't yeah. know why it's not yeah. a little white girl from Chicago. I love it. But um, yeah, I yeah. Know, that's my jam. That's my favorite. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. I don't know. I sometimes I'll like listen to a podcast if it's not like super uh, intense. I, can't. I try well, and I can't. Here's when I like to do it. If I'm just like if I'm kind of on like a rest or recovery day and I'm like just kicking up and practicing some handstands, that's like when I'll throw on a podcast because okay, okay. I'm kind of like I don't know, like the focus, like I'm already focused because I'm trying to fall on my face and then like <laughs> I'm able to kind of like focus. I don't know. It's weird. I guess I have done. Okay. Like if I'm first getting to the gym and it's not going to be like a super intense 
work out where I have to change my mindset at all. Right. I'm yeah. just going. Then I have done like a warm up with a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I can switch my music. But yeah. if I'm like not feeling it that day or I need to get in the right mindset, then yeah. as soon as I hop in the car, I start playing my playlist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta no, get it, ready. It totally depends on like what your like phase looks like in yeah. the gym, like what what workout you're look you're you know you're looking at for the day. Like yeah, like mobility or like handstand work. Like yeah, I can totally listen to a podcast and do that. Um but yeah, there's like, I think there's research on music improving your lifts oh, and I'm your sure strength. I'm um, sure. I don't, we don't have the study, but I'm pretty sure I read that once. And it's totally true. Like, I can't imagine doing like heavy sets of four, which I'm currently doing in my phase of squats, like without any fucking oh, like, let's there, go music. There like, was a time, oh, I don't remember. It was a long time ago. A meet I did where it was country started playing oh, randomly God. during someone's deadlift. And I was like, this is terrible. Yeah. I would hate this. But this is why when I was coaching a lot of people in powerlifting, I would always say like, yeah, like do some workouts with that intense music, like get, yeah, get going. Yeah. But when you're like, when you're training sometimes specifically prepping for a meet there's occasional yeah. occasion when you don't want to have yeah don't rely on the music. the music because you never know what's gonna happen yeah the meet. <laughs> like, i will say when i competed in powerlifting that was the only time i was okay with like the death metal in the background because like i would much rather have that than like some fucking country music when i'm trying to pr my deadlift <laughs> like yeah i'll take some hardcore shit i'll try to ignore the death screaming which i just don't understand that but uh, it yeah. is such a thing in the like lifting mm -hmm. community like yeah. you're actually like lifting some heavy shit like Good stuff no is it mm -hmm. i don't know okay anyways that's what our workout playlists look yes. like yes. <laughs> um cool awesome well yeah. if you have questions like katie said ask away wherever whenever wherever we wherever. are social medias email if you're cool yeah. and then please share this podcast with your cool friends um your lame friends too and rate us so um our podcast gets seen because we're trying to grow this shit so yeah. let's do it team all right awesome all right peace out